0: The Norris people, talking about Norris Pavilion, it's not just a room, it's a pavilion. What comes to mind when you think of a pavilion, this does, this. Um, And we are talking about Joshua, that's right, Joshua. The the people of God bringing them, or God bringing them into their promise, it's a great, great thing to be able to do, and I'm just so glad to be with you. There was a lot of people at the beach service today, I think this vitamin D, is back in the South Bay emanating from that giant uh, ball of gas in the sky that we can actually see, which is great. Um, what other random things should I say right now? <laughs> so a little bit about me, because I know you're dying to know. Um, I'm a total show-and-tell person. I love show-and-tell. I love it. It was my favorite thing growing up. It's kind of my favorite thing now. If you come to my house, if you come to my house, it's just a weird instinct. You're there, and all of a sudden I'm like, i got to show them stuff. I gotta show them. Stuff. Look at this! My grandpa made this. Hey, look at this picture over here. Look at the rug. Bray did this thing, right? I'm just constantly wanting to show you stuff. The beautiful thing—I'm a full-time professor. I just—I'm part, a part-time pastor. Um, and the, the the fun thing about being a professor is you get a captive audience for like three hours. So I will regularly start my classes with a slideshow of the weekend's events. Here's what Dr. P—they call me that. I call—I have them call me that because my last name is Pedophils. mispronounced horribly. <laughs> Um, Can't put it on a license plate, doesn't really work. Uh, Doctor's offices are awkward when they ask uh, Mr. Pedophiles, please come forward. So, they call me Dr. P. And then, I show them a slideshow of my my weekend. Here's what I do, look how cute my kids are, look how cool the sunset was. I just want to show them things, and their grade depends on liking what I show them. So, I'm a show and tell person. Uh, and we kind of all are, if you go to the Esplanade tonight, if you, which a lot of people line the Esplanade. Y'all, how many of y'all go to Esplanade on Sunday, Sunday nights? It's kind of a South Bay ritual. You go to the Esplanade, you, you watch the sunset. And it, it's funny, like what a sharing culture we've been. When I was in high school, it used to be, you go down there, maybe there's a couple kind of snuggling. There's some old folks enjoying it. And it's just this kind of cool, quiet thing. Now, you're down there and everyone's just like this. Right? Like, that's what we do. We take pictures. We want to share it. There's this impulse in us, right, to share what we're seeing. can't believe it. Um, One time I was in the Esplanade. I'll just do, like, another Esplanade story. I was on the Esplanade, and I was just sitting and it was kind of a windy day. Uh, Afternoon, like a Friday afternoon, I was reading, doing some studying, and I love just being by myself up there. Like, I'm a half introvert and half extrovert. I'm a weird schizo in that department. And I just love being alone, and there's this uh, older gentleman sitting next to me, must has been like, you know, in his 70s, and I uh, didn't speak English v- very well, and and um, and, I, and we just weren't talking, because I don't want to talk to people when I'm up there. No, just because he felt like being alone. And I'm just sitting there reading, and it was like an hour went by, no communication. And I even once in a while look over, like, hey, how's it going? And kind of awkward, like, he's back into his work. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> I'm reading, and I, I, I just jolted. He looks up, he's like, you see that? You see that? I'm like, whoa, what happened? Like a whale popped up right there, and he like, hasn't talked to me the whole, whole hour, and just had to, I had headphones in, it scared me, had to get my attention, because he did not want me, a dude he didn't know, didn't really care much about, probably, we didn't know each other, he wanted me to see this, and we're the only ones out there, and so it's not enough to look up and see the whale and go, "Ah, it's cool. We want to like, who else sees it? You know how that is. You see a whale, you're like, whale, well, whale. Well, I'm the first one. I saw it. Whale, well, look at the whale. We love sharing stuff. When there's a sunny night, sunny night. That sounds weird. A starry night. That's what I'm looking for. A starry night. You're up in the uh, in the woods with you know, look at the stars. You want to show people shooting stars and stuff. And um, TV shows. I love sharing. Like Stranger Things. Hashtag binge watch. Hashtag two days. Like that show. I watched. I started the the. Needle was in the arm, man. I just kept going. And, and it was a great, crazy show. Uh, or This Is Us. Any of This Is Us people? Oh, man. Cry twice an episode. Maybe thrice an episode. i just like, that's so good. And you want to share it with people. So I'm sharing it with you. And that's all that's going to happen today is me sharing random facts the whole service. Now, the point is, we love to share. We love to share things. And we want to let people know about things that we think are important or beautiful or rad borrow 80s terminology. The Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew Bible is seriously doing that thing. In Joshua, this text that we are reading, there is something very important. And all through the the chapters of Joshua, it's like, you've got to see this. You can't miss this. Look, get the headphones out of your ears and watch this and listen to this. Check this out. Um, And it's not just Joshua. It's the entire Hebrew Bible. So I wanted to start off today with a little lesson in hermeneutics. Everyone say hermeneutics. hermeneutics. It's a fancy, sexy word for basically principles of reading the Bible. Like principles of how do you read this weird, awesome text. Okay, um, And this is something I learned way back in my undergraduate days. And it's just stuck with me and been very helpful. When we encounter the Hebrew Bible, or the Old Testament, uh, some refer to it, when we encounter it, we typically look for different things. And we're trying to read it... Um, uh, in, in a particular way. Well, in the ancient Near Eastern context and in the way in which the Bible works, there are certain things the authors are like, oh, you got to see this. This is the thing I want you to really focus on. And here are some other cool things, too. All right, I need a few um, helpers. Let's see here. Uh, uh, come on, get up, get up here. Get up. Thank you so much. That's what I'm talking about. Give her a hand. Yep. All right. All right. Um, and let's see here. Uh, gail, are you are you nursing an injury you Would you come up okay so all right gail you you 'll we 'll take this to the next level. Two lovely ladies already and let 's get Chris Iomo up here just to bring a little ugly into the mix. come on, Chris Iomo okay uh, my 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 best friend Chris Iomo okay. Here's a here's a, there are three things and this is really simple. There's nothing sophisticated about what I'm about to teach you, but it's it was I found it very helpful, so I want you to think about it. Okay, there are three sorts of things that we typically look for. Let's go. First of all, this right here. My my kids helped me with these, by the way. Characters, right? Characters, individual characters in in a, in a particular story. <laughs> 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 no. It said every time I made a sign, I always start, I don't do anything scientifically. It's all shoot from the hip and I start, I start and I don't have enough room at the end. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for pointing that out, brother. Um, Characters. And this is what we're drawn to as audiences today. Me and Bray just went to watch Rogue One for the first time last night in those wonderful reclining seats up at Regal. And it was amazing. And the movie's really cool. But we love the character development. The story, like, who is this girl? And where did she come from? And her father. The relationships of individual characters. That's kind of our thing in the modern West. We love individual characters, right? A lot of Bible studies based on that. A lot of sermons preached on that. Like, what was Joshua thinking that night? What must have been going through his heart? Right? That's what we're focused on. It's one element that's definitely described in the Hebrew Bible. But it's not the focus, you'll be surprised to know. This one here, Michelli colored and then put up. <laughs> thank you so much. All right, so we have this... Um, uh, other major character in the Hebrew Bible is called Israel, the people of God. The people of God referred we refer to as Israel. Or the Hebrews in different contexts, and this is the sort of second level of, of of importance. So this is the lowest level in the Hebrew Bible, believe it or not. Characters, it's like you don't get a lot of character development. We want it. It doesn't provide a lot. It's not the primary concern. This, though, is a pretty important concern. Learning about the people of God. What's God doing with a whole entire? People and their long heritage—that's very important for all peoples. Okay, this is the second level, and so we sort of have to retool our brain a little bit to not seek this out right off the bat. This is there, but this is not necessarily primary. Whereas this, a little more important. What's God doing with a people? Same is true in Acts. Same is true in the New Testament and other things. But the number one thing, yeah. Would you hold this nice and high? Gail's a professional model, so we're this is like next level sermon today. God. Now, Brixton helped me with this. Brixton has kind of a Jackson Pollock postmodern approach to art, so you'll notice. Uh, this is, hands down, the obsession of the Hebrew Bible. Every chapter, every major section, whether it's giving details about characters, Israel, the main arrow is constantly pointing back to you. We want you to understand the scriptures would say if they could talk. We want you to understand about this God, referred to as Yahweh, the Lord, God Almighty, in the Hebrew Bible. That is the major thing that the Hebrew Bible is going, you got to see this. Check this out. Okay, thank you. Give him a huge (laughs) hand. What an amazing group. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. You did great. If things don't work out as a therapist, you can start being like a a sign model. Uh, I like to keep them. Thank you so much. Trying to get his hands on my signs. I'll put this right here. I might refer to it in a little bit. So, so I just want to put that out there. There you go. Your lesson in hermeneutics. Simple. When you're reading through, ask the question, what's it saying about God? For example, in the story of Joshua, the, we looked at Rahab, right? Rahab. And, and we, it's so fun to like plumb the depths of what must it have been like for her to, to gather her family together to be saved. And we want to sort of, what are the inner workings of her life? A lot of devotionals have been written on this stuff. But one of the points of that whole chapter, chapter two of Joshua, is to say the God of Israel is inclusive and is willing to bring in this woman of low status and low esteem and problematic employment, let's say, right? And bring her in. And when you hear her talk to the spies, she's saying things like all of our hearts are melting because we have heard about your God. We know he's the God of heaven and earth. And we know he's with you. And we are shuddering at that, right? And this is, the, again, the arrow back to big G-O-D. Alright, so today, as we're in Joshua 4 and 5, I'm not reading all of them, I'm not going to try to get through all of them, but I do just want to point out a couple things. With this sort of conceptual framework, or this grid in place now, as we read Joshua 4 uh, and 5, and how many of you read the blurb? Anyone want a blurb readers? Anyone read the blurb? I really like the blurb, so I hope you read it. No, if you didn't, that's okay. But... I know Sean Sexton read the blurb. He texted me. He said, Thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. Um, the whole idea, the whole title of the sermon, let's get weird, man. Because I'm telling you, Joshua 4 and 5, is just weird. It's about weird stuff. I can try to church it up for you and make it seem sophisticated and normal and logical. And there is logic to it. There is some normality to it. But let's just say it's weird. It's one chapter about stacking rocks. Okay? The next chapter is about a cosmetic surgery called circumcision. We do not have any slides. We're not going to describe that. If you don't know what that is, you need to talk to a grown-up. Okay? We're talking about weird things that God calls the people to do. And you're like, what's the deal there? Why stack those rocks? And why circumcise? And why all the... Heck, why why stop at chapters uh, 4 and 5? There's a lot of weird stuff in the Hebrew Bible that we're just going, why would God have his people do that? It's strange stuff. And so I want to get into the weirdness. I want to embrace the weirdness together. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get weird this Sunday morning. Joshua 4, 1 through 7. I'm just going to read it to you, and I'm going to skip to verse 19. So hold on, listen well, or follow along if you'd like to. This is in the new international version. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, as you recall last week, right? Joshua led the folks. Uh, uh, God led Joshua and the priests and everyone through the Jordan River into the land. It was this very symbolic moment where the river stopped, reminding everyone in the narrative. We're reminded of the Exodus event. Oh. That's right. The God of the Exodus is the same God with us there, which is the same God with us today as the hearing audience. When the whole nation finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, 12 tribes, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priests are standing, carry those stones over with you and put them down in the place where you stay tonight. So it's like that time, if you've ever seen pictures where Niagara Falls was stopped and they did some experimentation of like erosion, stud, erosion studies or something. Like you look at the massive cliffs and the erosion of the rocks and, and, and to get a rock from the bottom of Niagara Falls, how cool would that be, right? Well, this is not Niagara Falls, but it's a stop Jordan River. Go in there when it's dry, grab a stone, 12 of you big stones, walk them through and then you're going to stack them up. Weird. So Joshua called together 12 men, appointed them uh, from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And essentially, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of ellipses this. Uh, he says, go, pick up the rocks, bring them over, we're going to stack them up. And then he explains what this is all about. Uh, starting from verse 19, Joshua 4, 19. Why the weird rock stacking? On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and encamped at Gilgal. Ah, oh, Gilgal. Party town, man. All right, the eastern border of Jericho, Jericho and Joshua, set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. And he said this to the Israelites. So notice our little hermeneutics, right? you got individual character Joshua, Israelites, the people of God, and how they're responding and interacting, and then the big show. He said to the Israelites, when in the future, when the descendants ask their parents, what do these stones Mean. Hey, Dad, what's with the stones? Grandpa, stones. Explanation, please. Come on. Tell them this. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground for Adonai, for Yahweh, the Lord your God, dried up the Jordan before you until you crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had also done to the Red Sea. Same God, protecting his people, doing things to remind you my fingerprints are all over this and I'm with you. And it dried up before we had it uh, dried up before us. We crossed over. He did this. Why? Why the rocks? Why the parting? Why the events? He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Again, this is not a horror movie, fear the Lord. This is a deep reverence, a sense of awe, that kind of like, wow, you're powerful, Lord. When you see the waves this week, um, I was hanging out with the Watts on the Esplanade on the, the waves. were massive, like scary big. And just kind of, as a surfer, you, you feel the rumble. You're just like, oh man, that's scary. The awe of oh, God, much greater than that, the fear of God. That's why we tell the stories. And notice the, the, the issue of remembrance. I mean, you'll see that on page after page after page after page in that Hebrew Bible. Remember, tell the stories. Don't forget. Tell the next generation. Tell the generation after that. Don't let these stories die. Why? Because God, in His sovereignty, wisdom, brilliance, and quite frankly, sometimes in my mind, weird ways of doing things, has decided to let Himself be known through peoples, through People that treasure a tradition or treasure things he's done and keep the story going. Essentially, one part of what we're doing here today. Okay, so the first point was weirdness ensues. That's the weirdness, the rocks. And then in chapter 5 of Joshua, and I'm not going to read that whole thing. I'll let you do that at home. In chapter 5 of Joshua, essentially, the Lord calls Joshua to remind the people, all right, all you dudes who aren't circumcised, line up. Time to get that done. Right, and like, okay, this is getting even weirder. If it's your first time at a church today, we talk about weird stuff sometimes. The goat sacrifices after the service, though. So, if you want to stay till after, uh, you can participate. No, I'm kidding. We don't sacrifice goats. Weirdness ensues. What is this all about? The circumcision thing. Why do that? Why the rocks? Why not just circumcision? Let's just look at even the entire ritual requirements placed upon the people of God uh, as Israel. Um, yet Sabbath. Sacred, sacred time, sacred space kind of stuff. These really intense rituals. Most of Exodus is not about the Exodus. Most of Exodus is about the building of the tabernacle. If you want an expert in the Hebrew Bible, my man Matt Ingle right here, actually. He's an awesome youth pastor. This man knows the Hebrew Bible uh, better than most people I know. So amazing amazing um, scholar to talk with about it. But it's all about this really intense rituals. How about, like, there's laws that say things like, for example, you can't sew two kinds of cloth together. As the people of Israel, you can't sow two kinds of seeds in a field. As the people of Israel, and we look at these, and there's books on books written trying to explain why can't, uh, why couldn't the the people of God as Israel eat pork? Well, there's worms in the pork. That must be it. God's protecting them. Well, what got everyone sick at Chipotle? It wasn't the pork right? It was like lettuce and stuff. Like so, obviously, whatever rituals God's given His people, they're they're kind of weird. They don't make a lot of sense, and they don't. And by the way, the Bible does not give any explanation for why the circumcision, physiologically, what's with it? There's no explanation for it. There's not a lot of explanation for any of the ritual law. It's just, I'm going to argue, my point I would hope that you think about today is embrace the weirdness of it all. It's actually meant to be weird, it's meant to mark a people out in a really specifically conspicuous, weird way that you look at them and go, Weird stuff they do. Interesting people. Very strange. Right? And, and this is certainly the way that the nations from the ancient Near Eastern time to uh, Greco-Roman times would look at the, the Jews or the Hebrews and go, they're just strange. Why do they do the things they do? Weirdness ensues. Now weirdness explained. I'm going to try to explain a little bit about the weirdness. Okay? It's not going to make it less weird, but I think it'll explain why the weirdness as you recall, big story of our um, sacred tradition, uh, human beings created in the image of God, meaning the creative capacities, calling relationally like, uh, like the Lord. Uh, they care deeply about purpose. And there's a lot of reasons why we are, we are special in that way, the scriptures would tell us. But they ball up their fists. Though there was perfect relationship between God and man and and us and one another, we ball up our fists at the Lord and say, no, we'll do our thing our way and not your way all the way, and it'll be cool. And what happens? A massive rupture, right? just goes through through, uh, human relationships, human and divine relationships. The natural order itself, the earth, is affected. That's part of our sort of formative narrative, our big story. And God does not turn his back on it and go, well, screw this, man. I'm done. This earth is messed up one too many times. It's unfixable. Instead, in a really interesting, only God would think of this kind of way, he says, I'm going to actually recreate. I'm going to renew, bring renewal. And he starts with a people. He actually starts with a person. Remember a guy named Avram, or meaning exalted father, Avrahim, father of many. Um, this guy in Genesis 12 1 through 4, and it's it's noted on your handout, though I didn't write the whole verse out. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go. Abraham's living in Mesopotamia, kind of where modern-day Iraq is today at the time. He says, go from your country and your people and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great people. I will bless you. I will make your name great. Uh, You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And what's the telos or the end? What's on the horizon of this whole plan? Just to bless one dude arbitrarily? Eeny, meeny, miny. Abraham, blessed. Sorry, everyone else. No. All peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Through you. Through your lines, specifically. And All kinds of drama and awesomeness is described throughout Genesis about Abraham and his descendants. And eventually, his descendants become this massive people we refer to as Israel. Genesis 17, right after this Abrahamic covenant or this deal is given with Abraham, Genesis 17, one of the signs that you'll be my people was circumcision. Your men are going to circumcise. Weird. And then, the Exodus event takes place. God's people who were in uh, bondage, in slavery, they were ownable. Their bodies were ownable and destroyable by people. They were brought out of that after for 400 years. Brought into the wilderness. Again, these people we're reading about in Joshua, we can't think of them as this imperial power walking in and putting their mark on Canaanites. These are slave people that like God said, you're my people. I pull you out, and I'm going to rescue you, and then I'm going to have you do a bunch of weird stuff. Why? Exodus 19. Check this out. This is after the people are in the, out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. They're near Mount Sinai. They still have not gone into the land. Moses and God are discoursing. And the story goes like this. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called him from the mountain and said, This is what you're to do to the descendants of Jacob. And you are to tell all the people of Israel this. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt. How I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. God's essentially saying, Don't you forget that story. Don't you forget what happened. Don't forget that story. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. you are special people to me. Why? How so are we a special people to you? You just like us more than others? You're kind of playing favorites? Listen to the next verse. Although the whole earth is mine, you are will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy people. These are the words you speak to the Israelites. So he's calling entire people apart, saying, I showed you something about myself very special, very particular. you got to remember that story. You've got to tell that story. And you are going to be a nation of priests to all nations. Let me ask some questions, folks, especially if you have a, maybe a Roman Catholic background or maybe just want to... Kitchen, I don't care. Um, with anything, what does a priest do? Anyone, what does a priest do? Just kind of out loud think for a minute. My semester starts tomorrow, so I got to get in the mode of question and answer. What What do a priest do? Serve God, Serve God. Mediate. mediate. What Con- hear confession? Yeah, yeah. Serve God. Don't get married. Don't get married in in, per- in a particular tradition in uh, Hebrew Bible. priests got married in, in the Catholic tradition. Yeah, they don't no no marriage. Reward. What's that? Reward. Priest award. Okay, good. So. So this idea of representing, yeah, this is an active group, man. The beach was like, they're just bronzing. Um, The the role they're playing as a priest is to say, on behalf of God, I will hear confession, let's say, in, in the Roman Catholic tradition. I will hear confession, and I'll mediate with the Lord on your behalf. In the Hebrew Bible, similar kinds of things. A priest mediated for God. So if all of Israel is a nation of priests for all nations, what does that mean? Think about that for a minute. An entire people have become, in God's words, mediators. That is, you are going to show me to them. You're going to mediate my blessing and my presence and my truths. You're going to mediate a story, characteristics of who I am, what I've done, what I'm doing, what I'm going to do. That's going to be your precious cargo. Cargo. And eventually, as we find out, right, as the story continues, out of you will come a Savior. Out of you will come, essentially, mind-blowingly, God coming down and dwelling with us and dealing with our deepest problems with His own body and blood and shame and then rising from the dead. All this is coming from Israel. And the point is not just to bless Israel. The point isn't to circle the wagons and let's bless each other and give each other high fives because we're cool people. The point is to mediate to all nations. Listen to, I want you to know who my God is. I want you to hear the stories of my God. I want you to see him in the way we interact. Now, what's with the weird stuff? Still, back to that question. I think the whole purpose is to essentially... We're going to Disneyland, Israel. You're all going to wear neon tank tops that are going to look really conspicuous and bright neon hats. And everyone's going to be like, hey, what's with the tank top and the hat, man? Oh, yeah, let me tell you about my God. What's with the Sabbath stuff? Let me tell you about my God. What's with the circumcision that you guys do and the whole like eating, not eating certain foods? Pork is delicious. I love bacon. Let me tell you about my God, right? So it's to point them out, to mark them out as his people so you can literally go around and go, there there they are. You want to know about their God? Their God, they'll tell you about their God. There are people that are weird in the things they're told to do so that you will ask the question, tell me why you do this stuff. And they'll say, let me tell you something. Let me tell you about someone. Weirdness evolves. Okay, this is not about beneficial mutation and natural selection. That's just another E that I found to match all my other points. Weirdness evolves. So what what happens as we fast forward into what we call the New Covenant or uh, the, the, the New Testament and after the Messiah has come, the Messiah has paid the ultimate price, represented um, uh, uh, God and his people and now we are living in this new age where all, all nations um, are no longer in need of mediation by a people or by a priest but have access to the Lord uh, should they utilize it we're in that phase now not to get too academic and crazy let's just i'll just show you a couple quick verses in galatians 4 4 through 7 this is an issue dealt with a lot in the scriptures but listen to how uh, paul of tarsus puts it but when the fullness of time came notice that there's this there's this timetable to salvation history It, it unfolds in history as a historian i'm excited about that but it might seem strange uh to many as he's unfolding this plan in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Circumcision, clean and food, sacred time, sacred space, all that stuff. So that he might redeem those who were under the law. That we might receive the adoption as children. That's the status we're living in today. Because you are sons and daughters. God has sent forth his spirit, the spirit of his son into our hearts. We have the spirit of God. And by that spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father beautiful endearing call therefore you're no longer a slave but you are a son or a daughter you're no longer and if you're a son or daughter you are an heir through God you're an heir through God it's a beautiful stuff and how do you know if you are part of the people of God like we're not putting on the neon t-shirts anymore we're not wearing the neon cap anymore so to speak right how do we know uh, Galatians 5 5 through 6 For we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness in Christ Jesus. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything any longer. But faith working out through love. So you have the Spirit and it's being worked out through love. And I think the whole point Paul's saying here is if you're still stuck on the circumcision, clean and unclean food, sacred time, sacred space, all that ritual requirements, you've got to realize salvation history had an upgrade. The thing we fear every time the iPhone tells us there's an upgrade, like, well, this ruin my phone. Okay, I'll do it, right? And with a new upgrade, new operating system, I'm not a tech guy, but that stuff sounds what I hear them say, right? With a new operating system, we went from Microsoft Word 1.0, where you couldn't save something without it crashing, to now like Microsoft Word 1000.0, whatever we have now. Still frustrating, but much better. And he's saying, don't go back to Microsoft 1.0. That's That's been upgraded, now we are living in the era of the Spirit of God. How do you know if you have the Spirit? That's the challenging piece. How do you know if you have the Spirit of God? What do you think? Anyone? How do you know if you have the Spirit of God? Can you feel it? The force? Basic Taoism? No? How do you know? Come on, people. What do you think? Yes. Uh, your willingness to help others. Willingness to help others? Interesting. Anyone else? On Reliance on a daily basis? well goodness sakes fruit how do you know an orange tree is an orange tree what do you how do you know that's an orange tree i have an orange tree in my backyard it grows no oranges i cut it down and throw it in the fire no it doesn't do anything it just sits there but if it were truly a fruitful tree you'd see it like that's oranges on that tree or a fig tree or apple tree right the fruit uh and and so how do you know if you have the spirit right it's a daily reliance and serving others what's that yeah, yeah, you, you, you ask what you, you... Lord, fill me with your spirit. And, and you're going to see certain things. Like what? Like Galatians 5.22. By the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, right? The fruit of the spirit. How are you weird? What's the weirdness look like for you? I'll tell you what it looks like. The weirdness looks like you are gushing from every orifice. The spirit of God. And, and how does that manifest? Manifest in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. That's a short list. Paul could have gone on, and in other letters, Paul Tarsus gets crazy outlining what does it look like to be part of the people of God, marked, not by circumcision or particular rituals necessarily, but marked by the Spirit of God. It's gonna gush all over the place. The Spirit of God. Those big moments. John thirteen, John thirteen thirty-five, Jesus talking to his his people, his disciples, saying something like this, By this all will know you're my disciples by your left behind horrible movies. No, by your bumper stickers. No, by your political alliances. No. How are people going to know you are my followers if you have love for one another? First Corinthians thirteen is gorgeous, encomium, this love song about love and the various multifaceted nature of love an amazing, amazing. Um, a thing that happens when, when that's what a community, when that's their major product, that's their export, that's what they're manufacturing. is beautiful love, right? This is the mark of the Spirit of God. And there are some huge moments and small moments, both significant, where I think we see weirdness and it's displayed and we go, that's weird. And that is so God. Tell me about your God. Tragic day of June 17th, 2015. Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church, Charleston, South Carolina. We know exactly the story. We know how it goes. Dylan Roof, white supremacist, goes into the church service. They invite him in. They pray. They, They they allow him into the worship together. And he does something terrible. Nine people will never be coming back from that. In this particular phase of existence. Two days later, the first opportunity, as the world watches, as the world watches, first opportunity, as the world screams out, as every side of social media, the media, the pundits are screaming different things, people are talking about flags, people are talking about hatred, people are talking about every single issue, all important things we need to be talking about. But a gorgeous song comes forth from a people that are a weird and beautiful people. Washington Post reports June 19th. The relatives of the people slain inside the historic African American church in Charleston, South Carolina, earlier this week were able to speak directly to the accused gunman Friday at his first court appearance. One by one, those who chose to speak had a bond here at a bond hearing. Did not turn to anger instead. While he, that is Dylan Roof, remained impassive, they offered him forgiveness, and they said they were praying for his soul. They even described, even as they described the pain of their losses. "I forgive you," Nadine Collier, the daughter of seven-year-old Ethel Lance, said at that hearing. Her voice breaking with emotion. You took everything very precious. You took a thing very precious from me. Something very precious. I will never talk to her again. I will never ever hold her again. But I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. And the world beholds the weirdness of the Spirit of God. And ask the question, who is your God? Who is your God? Who do you serve? Big national modeling of the weirdness of the people of God of the Spirit of God. Last story, local modeling, very recent modeling of it. Someone that most of us know pretty dearly. Um, As as many of you know, uh, Dave and Kristen, uh, the Windor family, uh, had a huge fire at their house. house they built, worked years building very personally and are no longer able to live there. There's been a lot of work, a lot has been destroyed in that fire. I texted Dave. As soon as I heard about it, I texted Dave. Dave, brother, because I'm such a good guy. Dave, anything you need? Bro, are you okay? How are you doing? Everything. He texts back um, some pictures, an awesome picture of a video of Joe Heitzler cruising in on, on his bike, cranking some music, just lightening the, the, the mood for everybody. And then he texts, he texts me a, a transcript of what he sent to his family that day, to all his amazing family. If you know the Windorse, um, incredible people. He said, uh, I looked down and I saw this. And it's a picture of a sign uh, that someone had made. It was very clearly made, maybe by a child or by Dave. I'm not sure how good an artist he is. I know Kristen's awesome, so maybe Dave, I don't know. And and it's a sign that has Psalm 49, 16 written in sort of paint pen. And it says, I will sing of your strength in the morning. I will sing of your love for you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You can see it charred and you see the the debris, just the massive debris right behind it. And And he says this to his children, his family. His wife and children. Indeed, we will sing of his strength in the morning, for he is our fortress in times of trouble. This is what our family is made for. We are built for this. Every one of you guys. We're going to model to the heavens and the earth that the enemy can deal a blow, but God gets the last word. In our weakness, he is made strong. In our attitude, we will not succumb to the desire of the enemy, but we will continue to demonstrate thankfulness and gratitude for everything God has done for us. We will not be shaken. We will not shrink back. We will not hesitate in the call that God has for the life to be, for our life to be transformers and world changers. Long, beautiful text. We are his ecclesia. That means his church. And with that, we possess the authority to pull down strongholds, to usher in his peace. Wherever we are and whatever happens, ashes to beauty. He takes he takes everything the enemy intends for harm and turns it into an opportunity for his glory. The time to rise and live in faith and gratitude is right now when we're down, not when we are up and everything is going our way. This is when we deal the devil the strongest blow. Every one of you guys are warriors. You are strong and wise, calm and mature. You have perspective and you are a grateful people and you always have been. Mom and I are so incredibly proud of you. That house was a marker for warmth and love and openness to others. And it will be again. So yes, 2017 is the year of breakthrough. But we're going to have to fight for it. And the battle begins. And right now, our greatest weapon is our attitude of thankfulness and faith. Dad. Yeah, that's what I'm talking. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's just that, it's that micro-modeling, right? The national scene has beheld it locally in my own life. I look at this guy, Dave Windorf and Kristen and their family, and I go, that is weird and awesome and beautiful. And that, my friends, that is where God is communicated in the most glorious key. So we're going to transition now into uh, taking communion. And um, I'm going to pray and ask Jazz to come up and lead us. As we remember, as we remember, what brought us near to the Lord? What made us His people in the first place? The sacrifice of Jesus. Lord, thank You. Thank You that You take every single thing, just no matter how dark and painful and seemingly irrational or tragic, and You can transform. And I thank You for those people in our world, many and well, most in this room, and elsewhere, who do, they just, they smell like your spirit. They, they emit the fruits of the spirit like it's going out of style. I thank you for, their, for those. It's not about doing more. It's not about pleasing you and earning your favor. It's about yielding to your spirit and saying, Lord, do more. And God, I thank you so much. I pray you would be with the Windors and with all of those, Lord God, that are going through very difficult things right now. Lift their heads. And Lord, allow a broader and bigger platform for them to showcase who their God is through this all. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.